It's time now for Pilgrim's Progress Storytime with Pastor Ray Greenlee. The story of Pilgrim's Progress was first written and published in 1678. It was produced while John Bunyan was in prison. He was persecuted because of his preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This amazing story traces Christian as he leaves the city of destruction because he finds in this book that his hometown is to be burned with fire and that everyone in it will die. He urges his family to join him, but they refuse. And so he goes his way at the direction of evangelist to that small gate, to that narrow path. And now we continue the story of Pilgrim's Progress with Chapter 4, A Fierce Battle and a Dark Valley. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. Once he was in the Valley of Humiliation, poor Christian was immediately put to the test. He'd not gone very far before he spied a foul fiend or fin coming over the field to meet him, his name Apollyon. Christian was afraid and struggled in his mind to know what he should do. Should he go back or stand his ground? As Christian thought about what to do, he realized that he had no armor for his back and that turning and running would give the enemy an easy target with his darts. Christian decided that standing his ground would give him the best chance of surviving Apollyon's attack. So Christian went forward, and Apollyon met him. Now the monster was hideous to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish. They are his pride. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, a belly from which came fire and smoke, and the mouth of a lion. When he had advanced near Christian, he viewed him with a disdainful look, and then he began to question him. Apollyon asked him, Where did you come from? And where are you bound? I came from the city of destruction, which is the place of all evil. I'm going to the city of Zion, Christian answered. By your answer, I perceive that you are one of my subjects, for all that country is mine, and I am the prince and the god of it. How is it that you have run away from your king? Were it not for the fact that I wish you to enter into my service again, I would strike you to the ground with one blow. Christian responded, 
Indeed, I was born in your dominion, but your service was hard, and a man cannot live on the wages you pay, for the wages of sin is death. Therefore, when I grew into a greater understanding, I did as other thoughtful persons have done. I searched to see if there was a way to make myself into the person I should be. To that, Apollyon protested, There is no prince who will so easily lose his subjects, nor will I lose you. But since you complained about your service and wages, be content now to go back. What our country can afford, I promise to give you. Christian boldly proclaimed, But I have given myself to another, even to the king of princes. So how can I, in fairness, go back to you? As the proverb says, You have changed a bad for the worse, Apollyon said. But it's very common for those who have professed themselves his servants to give him the slip after a while and return to me. And if you return to me, everything will be well with you. Christian asserted with confidence, I have given him my faith and have sworn my allegiance to him. How can I change my mind now without being hanged as a traitor? You did the same to me, and yet I'm willing to let it pass if you'll now turn and come back. Christian replied, What I promised you was done in ignorance, and besides, I believe that the prince under whose banner I now stand is able to absolve me and to pardon me for those things I did while in your service. Besides, Oh, you destroying Apollyon! To speak the truth, I like his service, his wages. I like his service and his government, his company and his country better than yours. You can stop trying to persuade me otherwise. I am his servant, and I will follow him. Apollyon then boldly stated, Consider again when you have cooled down what you are likely to meet up with on the way you have chosen. You know that for the most part his servants come to an ill end because they are transgressors against me and my ways. Think how many of them have been put to shameful death. Besides, you count his service better than mine, and yet he has never come out of that place where he dwells, to deliver from my hands any who served me. But as for me, how many times is the whole world very well known I have delivered from him and his, either by power or fraud, those who have faithfully served me, likewise, I will deliver you. His present restraint, not to deliver them, is for the purpose of testing their love, to see if they will cling to him to the end, Christian asserted. As for the ill end, you say, that they come to, that just adds to the glory of their account, 
for they do not expect deliverance now and will endure all life's trials, knowing it adds to their glory, to eternal life when their prince comes in his and his angel's glory. Well, you've already been unfaithful in your service to him. So why do you think you'll receive wages from him? Apollyon challenged. How, O Apollyon, have I been unfaithful to him? Apollyon accused. You almost fainted when you first set out, when you almost choked in the swamp of despond. You also attempted to get rid of your burden in the wrong way instead of patiently waiting for the prince to take it off. You sinfully slept and lost your scroll. You were almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions. And when you talk of your journey and of what you have heard and seen, you inwardly desire your own glory in all you do and say. All of that is true and much more than what you have failed to mention, Christian agreed. But the prince whom I now serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. Besides, these infirmities possessed me while I was in your country, for there I allowed them to come in, but I have groaned under them, have been sorry for them, and have now obtained Pardon from my prince. Let me show you. This is the great Apollyon and the little Christian. And the battle is now going to begin. Apollyon broke into a hideous rage, shrieking, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person, his laws, and his people. I have purposely come here to stop you. Apollyon, beware of what you do. For I am in the king's highway, the way of holiness. Therefore, take heed to yourself. Then Apollyon straddled himself over the whole breadth of the way and countered, I am void of fear in this matter. Prepare to breathe your last. For I swear by my infernal den that you will go no further. Here I will spill your soul. With that, he threw a flaming dart at Christian's breast. But Christian had a shield in his hand by which he adverted it and its danger. Then Christian drew his sword, for he saw that it was time to take a stand. Polyon quickly advanced on Christian, throwing darts as thick as hail. Christian did all he could to avoid being struck, yet he could not prevent Apollyon from wounding him in his head, his hand, and his foot. These wounds caused Christian to falter a little. Apollyon advanced even more, and finally Christian found new courage and resisted as manfully as he could. This mortal combat lasted for about half a day until Christian grew weaker and weaker because of his many wounds. Then Apollyon, spying his opportunity, began to move closer to Christian, wrestling with him until Christian fell to the ground. 
with that Christian sword flew out of his hand. Then said Apollyon, I have you now. And he almost crushed Christian to death. Christian began to despair of life. But as as God would have it, while Apollyon lifted himself up to deliver his last blow and to make a full end of this good man, Christian nimbly stretched out his hand for his sword and grabbed it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise back up. With that, Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust which made the fend fall back as one who had received a mortal wound. Christian, seeing his advantage, thrust his sword at him again. Nay, to all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When he heard these words, Apollyon spread out his dragon wings and flew away. And Christian saw this fiend no more during this entire battle. I heard in my dreams the yelling and hideous roaring from Apollyon. It can scarcely be imagined, resembling the voices of a dragon, nor can the intensity of the sighs and groans that issued from Christian be fully described. Christian fought with vigor that his countenance never once relaxed its grim expression until he pursued perceived that he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. And only then did Christian smile and look upward. But until that point, it was the most dreadful and fierce fight I'd ever witnessed. When the battle was over, Christian said, I will here give thanks to him who delivered me out of the mouth of the lion to him who helped me against Apollyon. So Christian rejoiced with songs of thanksgiving. Then there came to Christian a messenger with a handful of leaves taken from the tree of life. Christian took the leaves and applied them to his wounds, which immediately healed. He then sat down and ate some of the bread and drank from the bottle that had been given to him by prudence and piety and charity. After Christian had refreshed himself, he began his journey again, not knowing whether Apollyon would come back for another skirmish or whether some other enemy might be at hand. Christian drew his sword and walked carefully through the valley but he met no other enemies. Now at the end of the Valley of Humiliation, there was another valley, the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And since there was no other way to the celestial city, Christian was obligated to go through it. Now this valley was a very solitary place, and as the prophet Jeremiah described it, a wilderness, a land of desert and of pits, a land of drought and of the shadow of death, a land that no man but a Christian 
passed through a land where no one lived. Now here Christian was to be afflicted more than in his fight with Apollyon, as the following adventures will show. When Christian came to the borders of the valley at the shadow of death, I saw in my dream that he met two men coming toward him, children of those men who brought an evil report concerning the good land of Canaan. These two men were quickly retreating. When Christian stopped them and asked them where they were going, they said, Back! Back! And we would advise you to do the same too, if you have any concern for your life or for your peace of mind. Why? What's the matter? inquired Christian. Matter, they said. We were going the same way that you're now going, and we went as far as we dared to go, almost went past the point of no return. Had we continued, we would not be here to warn you. Why, we were almost in the valley of the shadow of death. But as our good fortune would have it, we looked ahead and we saw the danger before we came to it. But what did you see? persisted Christian. Seen, they nearly shouted, where the valley itself, which is black as pitch, yet we also saw hobgoblins and stairs and dragons of the pit. We also heard in the valley a continual howling and yelling that sounded like people in unutterable misery who are bound in affliction and irons. Over the valley hangs the discouraging clouds of confusion. Death also spread his wings over it. In a word, it is dreadful and completely unruly. Then Christian said, All these tears aside, nothing that you have said so far convinces me that this is anything but the way to the celestial city. Oh, have your own way, but we will not choose your way as ours. So they parted, and Christian went on his way with his sword in his hand, fearing he might yet be assaulted. Then I saw in my dream that for the entire length of the valley there was a very deep ditch on the right side. It is into this ditch that the blind have been leading the blind since the beginning of time to the destruction of both the blind leaders and their followers. I saw also on the left side of the valley, a very dangerous quagmire in which not even a good man can find solid footing or the bottom if he falls in. This is the bog King David fell into and no doubt would have smothered had he not been able to be pulled out of it. The pathway was exceedingly narrow and good Christian was tested to his limit. For in the dark, when he tried to avoid the ditch on the one hand, he was ready to tip over into the mire on the other. Also, when he sought to escape the mire, unless he was very careful, he would almost fall into the ditch. And as Christian went on, I heard him sigh bitterly, 
For besides the dangers mentioned above, the pathway was so dark that often when he lifted up his foot to step forward, he he was never sure that his foot would land on something solid. He didn't know what he'd step on. In the middle of the valley, I saw in my dream the mouth of hell, and it stood right next to the path. What shall I do now? thought Christian. Abundant flame and smoke spewed from the place with sparks and hideous noises, things that could not be fought with a sword as Apollyon was. Christian put his sword back in its sheath. He took out another weapon, the one called All Prayer. Then I heard Christian cry out, O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. He continued in this way for a long time, but still the flames were reaching toward him. Also he heard tortured and sad voices and the sound of things rustling and scurrying back and forth. Sometimes Christian thought he was going to be torn to pieces or trampled down like mud in the street. Christian saw these frightful sights and heard the dreadful noises for several miles of his journey. And adding to his troubles, he came to a place where he thought he heard a company of fiends, demons, coming forward to meet him. Christian stopped to think about how to meet this new enemy. For a brief moment, he thought about turning back, but then thought that perhaps he was halfway through the valley. He also remembered how he had already vanquished many dangers, and that the danger of going back might prove worse than the danger of moving ahead. So he made up his mind to continue going forward. The fiends seemed to be coming nearer and nearer. But when they were almost upon him, Christian cried out with a most vehement voice, I will walk in the strength of the Lord God. So the demons turned around and went back to where they had come from. By this time, I noticed that poor Christian was so confounded that he did not recognize his own voice. Just when he came near the mouth of the burning pit, one of the wicked ones stepped up softly behind him and whispered many grievous blasphemies to him, which Christian truly thought had come from his own mind. It grieved Christian more than anything that he'd met with before to think that he should now blaspheme him whom he loved, though in truth Christian had not done that. He wished to stop the wicked thought, but did not have the discretion to simply plug his ears to the silence to silence the lies that a wicked one spoke to him or to recognize their source. After Christian had traveled in this disturbing condition for some time, he thought he heard the voice of a man going before him saying, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Then Christian was glad, and for good reason, 
For one, Christian believed that someone who feared God was in the valley with him. Secondly, he perceived that God was with this person up ahead, even though it was dark and dismal. Christian reasoned that if God was with this fellow, traveler, then he was also with him, even though the evil in this place prevented his perception of it. Thirdly, Christian hoped that he could catch up with this person ahead and have a companion on his journey. So he went forward and called out to the pilgrim ahead of him, but this fellow traveler did not know what to answer since he thought he was all alone. Finally, the sun came up on a new day, and Christian rejoiced and said, He has turned the shadow of death into the morning. Then Christian looked back, not out of any desire to return, but so that he could see by the light of day what hazards he had gone through in the dark. He saw more clearly the ditch that was on one hand and the quagmire on the other. He also saw how narrow the way was that had led him between those two. He saw the hobblegobbins and he saw the dragons of the pit, but all far off, for after the sun came up they would not come near him. But yet they were revealed to him just as it has been written. He discovers deep things out of the darkness and brings out to light the shadow of death. Well, that's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed it. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.